Last Wednesday, we began about speaking about give the Lord your time. And I want us to go into that and believe God for revelation. In, in, um, in pursuing to, to know the Lord in your life, in my life, we may think that because you've heard something once, we know it. We don't. Just hearing once does not mean that you know something. That's why I think about this, about Joshua. The Lord tells him in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do. In other words, you do it day and night. You think that way. You meditate. You ponder. You speak. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Recently, I got some, you know, some words spoken and then it just provoked my thinking and, and, and totally started seeing something that I, I don't think I'd ever seen before. Remember, Joshua had been sent uh, to the promised land, to spy the promised land with the other 11 spies, among them being Caleb. And when they went there, they saw the giants. The giants were real. They saw them. And the 10 came back with an evil report because they said, we are not able to take the land because there are giants in the land. In fact, they say that the giants in the land, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers as we were in their sight. The amazing thing is this, was they never got too, too close to them to know that those men were looking at them as grasshoppers. You see, the, the lies of the enemy twists everything that you are supposed to be focusing on as the truth. So that's why we never give an opportunity to any lie of the enemy. And that this is what it means. Then we don't lie. We are people of the truth. What do you expect from us? The truth. Am I talking about me alone or us? We expect from us? We are people of the truth. We just don't lie. So what you see is what you get. <laughs> That's what you see, what you get. That's, we, we don't, we don't in, in involve ourselves in lies of the enemy. But look at this. Think about Joshua in those 40 years. Remember they stayed in the, in 40, years, 40, in the 40 years in the wilderness. Think about those 40 years. Don't you know that there are thoughts still coming up about those giants? Huh? Yeah. You saw them. You made a declaration by, of faith. Just because you made a declaration of faith once does not mean that you're going to overcome. It takes renewing of the mind. So God starts dealing with Joshua's thinking. So what does he do? Remember, so, so what he does actually, he gives him something, quote-unquote, to think about. And what was he giving him? His word. These are the words that you are supposed to meditate and not the giants. So this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it over and over again so that 
it may change your image. When your image is changed inside out, you know how to deal with the challenges that come before you. When that image has not changed, remember the, those 12, 10 spies, they say this, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. But when the image changes, the real person that ought to change, let me say it this manner, ladies, the extreme makeover is inside out. <laughs> Not the sagging things that needs to be cut around, you know. We don't do so much here in Africa, except for some few. Lily, can I hear me? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but, 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 but look at this. This is the extreme makeover. It's from inside out. The change. We change the way we think, the way we look at things, and everything else out here changes. Amen? All right. Let me, let me give you an example. Then I'll, I'll go to the word. Do you remember when you were small, small someone, boy or son? Oh, it, de it depends on which year you were born. But let's see, you are given 500 and you are very little. 500 shillings. And you thought you could buy a plane with that. What was it? That's the perspective you had. But years later you are given the same 500 shillings, but you realize this doesn't do much. Won't buy much. What is it that has changed? Is in, in the growth, there is a change of your perspective. Show me the mountain that is greater than God. What is the difference? His perspective. He sees things through his word. And there's nothing impossible to them that believe in his word. Now then. So one of the precious times, remember we're talking about give the Lord your time, and I'm going to repeat several things. I'm repeating them. One of the precious things that you can give to the Lord is your time. Time. Just like what you've done this evening, you gave him your time. You just didn't show up, you thought about it. So we had a, we had a certain, uh, you know, I think Metrin brought in uh, a colleague last Wednesday and she, she didn't plan to so she was talked into coming in and she came in and she experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I was like what? I mean she hadn't planned that was going to happen but the Holy Spirit came upon her and changed, changed uh, you know did something in her heart but look at this but for, for us so to think you have to think in this manner wherever you are going you have to make a conscious decision so is change in God. It doesn't just happen. You have to consciously desire for that change to happen. Then, then you have to consciously be aware of giving the Lord your time. Conscious. Give him your thoughts. Give him your time. I told you that you cannot know the one that you are not spending time with. To know is to spend time with. You spend time with a person, and look at this, is you're spending time, not just spending time for the sake of it, 
but you are spending time with an intention of knowing him. You are intentional. Christianity, effective Christianity, is intentional. It just doesn't happen by itself. There's no accidents in the spirit. <laughs> in, in the spirit, no. It's really, you have to be intentional about your growth. You have to be intentional about your pursuit in knowing the Lord. Like in everything else in our lives, God has given us time, but we must willingly give it back to him. We have to give it back to him. Remember what I was saying, that the breath you have, where did it come from? God. The time today, where has it come from? God. That's why we need to start fast by honoring him. Again, we read, let's go back to the scripture read in First Chronicles chapter 29 about David. That always touches my heart about King David. In 1 Corinthians 29, 13, 14, 1 Chronicles, sorry, 1 Chronicles 29, David has prepared a lot, just giving. But he comes to the place and he says, it's now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, say it. For all things come from you, say it. For all things come from you, continue. And of your own we have given you. The life that I'm living came from you. And therefore if I'm giving God my time, I'm saying, and your own I have given you. In him we live. We move and we have our being. We must think in that man. We must uh, pursue the Lord in that man. That we're giving back to you what you've given to us. So the time you've given me, I will honor you with it. Mostly people, I've heard so many testimonies regarding this, but people lying down on a hospital bed and all that and uh, they realize maybe they have lived for years, they realize actually the things that they thought mattered do not even matter. <laughs> the things that they thought mattered do not even matter. The things that matter. And look, look at this, what, what uh, Vanity and vanity says. Let's go to first uh, to Ecclesiastes. You know vanity, Mr. Vanity and vanity? Yes. Oh, you don't? Huh? Oh, in fact, I will read. I think uh, oh, that's, that's fine. Let, let me read from this version. Verse 13, 12, 13, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Vanity of vanities, he had a thousand women. <laughs> that I really, that's the one I don't understand. We'll ask him in heaven. To have a thousand women 
And then I go to this other side. And, and ladies, excuse me. If you are the 999th one, what are you thinking? Those are things that I just don't understand. But listen to this with those. And, and that man was rich, wealthy. Now that's 12. I'm looking for 1213. Ecclesiastes 1213. 1213. And he says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. For this is man's all. Come on now. This is man's all. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear, the God, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Let's read it from the Amplified Classic Version, please. Can you see that? Yeah. This is what all, this is really what matter. Listen to, to this one. It says, uh, all has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God. What do you do? Revere and worship him, knowing that he is. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. The full, original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all in harmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty for every man. Time. Time to serve him. I think at the end of all our lives, what really matters is this. Did we serve him? Did we really give him our time? I, I read uh, years ago, I read a, a story. Either I read or I, I watched a video of a certain lady, and uh, she found herself in a heavenly atmosphere. And it was, she says, it was heaven, actually. And then she says she was at the beach. As she knew she, it was her, but it was a little girl. Let me see if I say it right. No, no, no. She, in, in being caught up in the heavenly realm, she says she was at the ocean, and there was a little girl building, uh, you know, like buildings with sand. Ever seen, you know, the way girls would do, special girls, even boys will do so. But then she asked, what are you doing here? She says, I'm doing exactly what you have been doing on earth. The, and she says, all of a sudden, it dawned on her. Everything that she had been trying to build, pursuing with all her heart was just like what this girl was doing. You ever tried to do it by the riverside or by the ocean? And what happens? Water comes and you just washed away. And you can go ahead and build and you know that's what you won't find it tomorrow. That's what living without purpose in God means. Every other thing, everything we do, like the scripture say, like the song we sing, is a sinking sand. It's sinking sand. Everything we do. But in living in purpose, purpose, God-given purpose, you are giving Him your time. Look at this. It is in that giving Him your time. 
that you, you get to see things the way he sees them. No other way. You get, you spend time with him, you see things the way he sees them. You value what he values. You honor what he honors. It changes your perspective. Again, it's amazing when you look at the, the kings of Israel and Judah because they are divided. It's so amazing when one king, he comes into uh, the kingdom as the, the, the king of, of, of that nation, either Israel or Judah, and then you start seeking the Lord. And what will happen is this, he will prosper as he's seeking the Lord, but the amazing thing is this, you look at it like an example what you talk about Second Chronicles 20-20 of King Jehoshaphat. When crisis came, when the enemies were coming against him, because you have lived with him, you have sought to know him, because of that, when crisis comes, your heart leans towards him or toward him. You, you see what I'm saying? You, your heart always leans towards him because you know this, you're my strength. So who do you call first? Him. Because you know there is a knowing for a person who's been seeking the Lord. There is a knowing in them that God will deliver me out of this situation. There is always a knowing. I can testify this for the last 25 years, over, over 25 years now. I, I know, even when it looks so dark, I know inside of me, God is in this and he's delivering me out of this situation. But listen to this. That heart has to be calibrated toward him. Or else it won't respond to him. So let me tell you something. In that, in that creating time for him, actually what is developing in you and in me is a lifestyle of a seeker. A seeker of God. That's the way you think. That's what your pursuit is. You seek the Lord as a lifestyle. That's what you want. You want to please him. Hallelujah. Amen. At least you can say amen. amen. <laughs> All right. Now then, let's, let's finish the, the, the second part, verse 16. Of First Chronicles 29, it says, verse 16 says this. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build your house for your holy name is from where? From your hand and is all your own. So then think about this, that, that, that Romans 12, I offer this body as a living sacrifice. This body is what? It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I offer it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, because this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We must think that way. Okay? Yes. We should never have any God above our God. Amen. So that's the old covenant. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Let me show you what it is, idolatry. When God's people have time for other things except for him, then without knowing it, they're missing out a lot. And what actually is happening, they're being stolen from the devil, I said that last week. They may not even know it, but they are walking in idolatry. They're walking in idolatry. Why? Not spending time with the one who loves you. Spending time with the one who loves you is when we can say, I worship you. I worship you. What is true worship? Now, no one is above you. I give you the first place. Think about this, having said all that. Would you think probably? Probably, just thinking. May it be probably. Sometimes you say, uh, say before the Lord, I worship you. And they say, no, you don't. What about if you had an audible voice? No, you don't. You worship your job. No, you don't. <laughs> How will that be? Come on now. Huh? Ever thought about that? You just, you just, I worship. He said, you, no, you don't. No, you don't. You worship your own life. You worship your job. You worship your caplot. Especially in Kenya, you'll see you worship your plots, kaplots in Kenya. You worship, that's what you worship. But listen this, wonderful to have our jobs, wonderful to have our profession, wonderful to have our kaplots, our lands, plural. But listen this, he comes first. And how is that reflected in our lives? Because we spend time with him, he who is the source of all things. Praise God. So listen to this. I, I, I highlighted this. I put it on ball in, my, in my, my notes. We're talking about give the Lord your time. But then I've, I've bolded this in my notes and it's saying this. The one you give more attention to above anything else is the one you worship. I say it again. The one you give attention, in fact, say, uh, more attention above anything else is the one you worship. It's the one you worship. That's the truth. That's the truth. More attention than anything else. Before my wife was called Tina, those don't know, before Tina was I am. No, there was because I am who existed, who's God? So what do I do? He comes first. If I don't spend time with him, I would know how to treat her. Except to be taught by someone else. And you know he's a teacher too. The devil. Mistreating, hatred, you know, cursing, that's of the devil. But listen to this, if I spend time with him, Tina, Tina told me years ago, remember her telling me a few times years ago, she said, oh, I like it when you spend time with the Lord, you, you are tender. Amen. I said, yeah, I know, I, <laughs> I know what that means. Don't raise your voice. Ah! I mean, you, uh, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Just know how to spend time with the Lord. 
There are words that will not come out of your mouth. You can't, really, you can't tell me you're spending time with the Lord. This is a men's meeting for one minute, okay? You can't tell me really I'm spending, you're spending time, time with the Lord. And then you tell your wife, I don't know if you have anything between your ears. No way. You'll fall on your knees right there. Because the Lord will not accept. In fact, we'll say this. I don't accept that talk. And what will happen, you'll feel like there's a knife that has entered into your heart right there. Yeah. And listen, listen, listen to this very carefully. If you give him much time, you spend time with him, a lot of your time, because you value it, you don't want to play around. Amen. Because you know what it takes to enter in. It doesn't take a minute. But the more we practice his presence, the easier it is. Even if we are down in the supermarkets, you can sense in his presence all around us. Sure, I sense his presence just saying those words. Let me say it again. Did I speak the language that you understand? Look at this. Because you spend time in his presence, you know the price or what it takes to enter into his presence is costly. Why? It costs you something. So because of that, you'll be careful of how you act around because you're conscious of his peace and his presence around you all through. But if you don't know how to enter in your presence, you live carelessly. The people actually will feel like you don't want to meet with them because every time you meet with them, you sense like there's something that just doesn't give you joy inside of you. And you know that's the Holy Spirit. He's grieved inside of you because of their kind of talk and jokes and on and on and on. But then you start getting attracted by those who you, have, you, same, you share the same values of his presence. Some of them you spend time with and after that you just want to go back and start worshipping the Lord. Because their words have impacted you. They know, they are pursuing the heart of the Lord. Therefore, when they speak, they are speaking from that presence. Does that, do you, do you understand what that means? You know, do, do you get what I'm saying? So look at this then. So if I know that, and it's, it's taking my time, and sometimes... Sometimes, I'm not saying, remember this, you're not going to buy, to buy anything from God. But listen this, for you to know him, you have to know how to spend time with him. Amen. And to spend time in his presence. And it's not just religiously doing it, but because your heart is there. In fact, most likely, many times you'll go and have your Bible in front of you, and all what you can do is, uh, Father, I love you. That's why I've come. It's because I love you. It's because I honor your presence. You're not just saying, you know, you're not like, today's what? 22nd. Proverbs. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I praise you. I plead the blood of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And if you are you are lady, you've worn your high heels, so then you walk out. <laughs> no, really. Really. You 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 want listen, look at this. Um, which I had this years ago and Pastor I thought, yeah, that's familiar. Sometimes you may dwell on just one scripture and pray over it and just be quiet there and speak all those love words to the Lord and tell him how, him how much you love him and worship him and go back to that scripture and just look at it again and hear the Lord speak to you and direct you. And you realize you are not in a hurry because you've come to the one who loves you. Anyone who's ever stood up in love, not fallen. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone who's been, ever been in love, I'm the only one. Okay, I have, I have, I have, I have. When you are the one that you're in, in love with, you're never in a hurry. You need to treat the Lord that way. Church is not, I love you. It's until that becomes a revelation in your heart. The Father just loves me. And I'm not in a hurry. Have you ever not liked a company of someone? How many hours did you want to spend with that person? Professor, prover, prover, professor, you wanted to, you don't like the person, but you love the person, but you wanted to spend five hours. You know, when you hear of a, a young lady telling, telling uh, mama saying, please don't spend time with that, with that boy. But mom, you know, I don't like, I like him, but you know, it's because we are studying together. G girl, let me tell you something. You cannot spend hours with someone you don't just like. Okay, you all kept quiet. You don't know what I'm talking about. This is my point here. You come to him because you love him and you want just to spend time with him. I believe, um, I had this statement made so many years, so, so, so many years ago, that the person who's neglected the most, actually, is the Holy Spirit. Believers neglect the Holy Spirit. And he's the one, we cannot know the Father without him. We must invite him in our lives. He's in us, but we must desire the manifestation of his presence every day of our lives, wherever we go. The toiling will not be there. The struggles will not be there. And if we are facing any challenge, we are assured in our inside of our hearts, we have the victory. Amen. We know it. Because you're walking with him. The one you give more attention to, or you give much attention to, above anything else, you worship. That's the one you worship. I've said this many times, and I'm going to say it again. There's nothing you know and will ever know, you'll ever have in this natural realm, that can be compared with his presence. Nothing 
that you'll ever accomplish in this natural realm that can be compared with his presence. His presence is incomparable. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Have you ever been in, in the presence of someone, you spend some time with them, and when you left, you feel like, wow, there's something about that individual. Anyone? Something good, okay? I'm talking about something. There's something good about that individual. There's something about them. It's the presence that they carry. There's the presence that they carry. And that's the presence of God that we need to carry all around our lives. When you encounter his presence, you'll do everything in your power to spend your time there. When you encounter his presence, you'll do everything in your power to spend your time there. Listen to this. You will crave for it until, I'm going to say something here, you realize if I spend time, I'm giving you an example, if I spend time watching news for 30 minutes, I'll miss out this others, my time in the word and prayer. I don't think I want to spend 30 minutes watching this. I think that's more important. Every time when you're weighing, you know, putting a weighing scale, you realize what is weightier is time in him, with him. Sure, that is really important. And look at this. And I'm not saying that you, you have sleepless nights. I enjoy sleeping. I really enjoy sleeping. But look at this. There are times that you, you lie down and you think like, I will lie down here. That's wonderful. But I think spending time in his presence is more productive than me to continue sleeping for another hour. And then what do you do? What is it? Look at this. You're weighing. Which is weightier? Which is of more importance? Is it this time I could have continued sleeping or is my time spending time with him? I don't know from experience, you know, you, you should know this, but I know from experience. If you said you wanted to wake up like five o'clock and you put the alarm for five o'clock, if you switch it off and you, you put it, maybe you say like let it go off at 5.30, have you realized in those 30 minutes you don't sleep? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Sometimes you may dream that you've woken up <laughs> in those 30 minutes. And, and, and many times, and, and this is another thing that some, some sleep and they find themselves now at to 6.37. And have you ever noticed after that you don't say, great! I was to wake up at five, but I've woken up at seven. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You, you, you've, you've noticed that you don't do that. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I wish I'd woken up that time when the alarm went off. Anyone who's ever experienced that? <laughs> Only the pastor. <laughs> Only the pastor. You, you, you never. You, you, you want to get excited like, oh, God, that is wonderful. You gave me sleep for the last two hours. So I'm, I'm showering quickly and leaving the house. You don't feel that way. But look at this. I don't know how many times over the years. When, as an example, had the alarm clock at four, exam, I'm giving an example, and I felt so, so tired 
when it went off. Then dragged myself out of bed. Just dragged, literally, just feel like, oh God, when am I going back to sleep? Until this evening? Oh God, help me. But then, spend some time in his presence, and when it reaches like six o'clock, and I think like, oh Lord, oh, thank you for helping me to wake up. This feels so good, I'm refreshed, and I'm ready for the day than if I had continued sleeping. Anyone who's ever experienced that? Yes. Listen this then. Then you have to think of weighing, which is your priority. Same thing in dealing with things during the day. What is your priority? Does what, is it drawing you to the Lord? Or is drawing you alone, away from the Lord? And that's why there are some people you'll say no to. Why? Because, you know, them being around you, whatever you, they want you to do is not important. Maturity is when to know yes and no. And you just say. And sometimes you say with no explanation, no, please, I won't do that. Amen? Does that say something? So when you counter his presence, you'll do everything in your power to spend time in there, in that presence. In fact, you are, if you are true to yourself, listen to this I said last week, if you are true to yourself, you'll feel naked when you have not been in his presence. For a military man, being naked means they are not armed in an enemy's territory. For a believer, they are not clothed with his presence. Like the scriptures say, you put on the whole armor of God. You know you're not clothed to do battle. <laughs> well, let me give you some, maybe, maybe I'll say this because I've been in ministry more than half of my life, but, but I don't know. I think the early years, earlier years in ministry, You've gone to a place during the day and probably you feel like you aren't really prepared and you feel like I'm, I'll take it easy today. And then you'll see manifestation of demons. And someone is asking you now, would you please help me? We go cast out devils out of this individual. That's when believers sing, damn, we are yes to ten times. <laughs> <laughs> and they still say, let's sing it again. <laughs> because they, they don't feel prepared. But look at this, when the presence of God is in you and you've been prepared and now you are, you're walking with the Lord over and over again, you'll find that things that rise up in front of you, you're not fearful at all. Because you know you're clothed with his presence. Let me say something here, and I'll give you a scripture for this, is uh, his presence is, is what clothes you. His presence is what clothes you. When one is clothed with his presence, they look for substitutes. Yet deeply still in their hearts they are aware that they are naked. They look for substitutes. They look for fig leaves like Adam and Eve. That's unimaginable. 
Adam and Eve stayed in the presence of God. They knew nothing else but his presence. And they sinned and they started looking for fig leaves. How sad. Do you know what fig leaves in our generation? Appearance. Forms of appearance. But deep inside of a form of appearance, you know, just like it can be nothing wrong with properties and all that, but an appearance you put on a show. But deep inside of us, we know there's something that I'm lacking. The most miserable person I can think of is the word that we use uh, mostly in the church language is a backslider. It's miserable. Because you once knew, they once knew the presence of God, and now they are trying to put on what? Fig leaves. Yet they know no amount of money, no amount of property, no amount of clout can replace that emptiness in their hearts. His presence is incomparable. We want it. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go here to Genesis 3 before we go a certain direction. <clears throat> Getting something out of this? Yes. Thank you, Lord. So let's look at Andre, uh, the whole of it. You remember the fall of man? Uh, let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, uh, Genesis, and then you come there. So this is not for marriage seminar, but the creation of man, and, and uh, I mean the, the time when Adam was put into a deep sleep, in verse 23, when he woke up, he, he woke up from that deep sleep. The Bible says, and when he saw the woman, <laughs> I had a certain man who's Jewish saying that, you know, when, when you read the scripture, it says, this is now the bone of, my, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And this Jewish man said that, oh, this is nothing. The English version didn't actually uh, translate it the way it should be. But he says that when he woke up from sleep, he says that the Hebrew expression is like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> seen this woman. I mean, he had seen the animals and everything else, but all of a sudden, sees this most beautiful creation. So it wasn't like the way the, the, that Hebrew uh, Jewish man said, no, it's not like the way he said, now this bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. No, it's wow! It's the attitude. That's why ladies, when you see you say, wow! <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but look at this then. And he says, therefore man shall live with father and mother and be joined to his wife and they become one flesh. Let, let me give you something probably for someone. But when I read that scripture, when I was a single man, young man, I knew it in my heart. When it came to a time, for the time to get married, I knew it, I will know who to marry. Amen. I was deeply convinced of that. I remember, as a young believer, 
I went to a meeting and there's a, there's a certain man who was teaching, a pastor. He's a pastor. He was teaching, he was saying, ah, and he was saying it in Swahili. Ah, nani aliwambia kuwa ni kiroho? Kuwa si kiroho? Ndugo, kama umempenda dada, we mwambie tu umempenda. And that's exactly what you're saying. He mambo ya tulionyeshwa nini? Wacha, wacha utapeli. No, that's the way exactly you said. You know what utapeli is? Oh, you don't know the conmanship. It's been Yeah, that wacha utapeli. Then he says that, it's, it's, and, and then him we say this, that today you've seen her with a, with a certain hairstyle and the shoes that she's worn, and you say, wow, I like. And then, ndugu, ukendo kilala utaota. <laughs> then kesho nakuja atindilionyeshwa nini wacha utapeli ndugoa Listen this I was a new believer inside of me I knew it was wrong I knew that coming together is divine and God whose spirit is involved I knew that was error and you know what God honored this, that's, that faith and when it was time to get married, I knew who I was going to marry. And 20, 20 years is the certificate. Now look at this, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, are not ashamed. Naked in which sense? Not the way we think. They were covered with the glory of God. They're covered with the glory of God. Probably I may go one time and study exactly what the Hebrew language means that they had the glory of God covering them but when they partook of the, they sinned against God they knew that they were naked why the glory of God had departed from them they knew that they were naked and what look at this when God appeared in that Genesis chapter 3 they say this we had you therefore we hid from you let's go there in chapter chapter 3 Verse 8, uh, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. That is sad. That is sad. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from what? From the presence of God, the very presence that they enjoyed. When they sinned, that's the very presence they wanted to run away from. Or they were running away from. For us believers, you should always be drawn into the presence of God. Let me tell you something that, that, that very important for every believer. When you feel that you have failed and you have sinned, that's the time you really need the Father. Amen. You need to go there. You need to go into the presence of God. The thing about this, now you want to hide, you don't want to be in, in among brothers or brothers in the Lord or brethren. That's exactly what the, the, the enemy wants. You need to be in the presence of God. Sometimes just, you're just quiet there and all you can say, God forgive me. I'm going to trust you. Every lie, anything that will try to move you from that presence after you feel like you've sinned, and you know you've sinned, is actually of the devil. He wants to separate you 
from your very healing and restoration. I remember one evening, again, I was a new believer. I lived in uh, Mlango Kuba, near Pangani there. And then uh, I felt that day I'd failed. <laughs> I, I felt that way. You know, just a new believer. I felt that way. I felt, Lord, I haven't walked with you. You know those, those lies that someone just takes in the, in the mind and all the bombardment of the enemy? And I felt that way. And I remember... I bought it number six that goes to Italy. And just before the police station, Pangani police station, I lifted up my heart to the Lord and said, God, I know you love me. And I started conversing with the Lord. And by the time I'm coming to Pangani, uh, Pangani girls, it didn't take even a long time. I sensed his presence. I thought, God, you're so merciful to me. I'm telling you the truth. By the time we get into Mlango Kuba, three of us alighted from that matatu. There's one who alighted in front of me, and immediately, as, as, as soon as he started walking, I saw a young men surrounding him, and they had marked him. And he was put down. When I turned, I looked behind, the other one who had alighted after me was being mugged too. I was the only one standing. And I walked past them and I went my way. Of course, you have to look behind. You understand that? <laughs> you don't walk like Chuck Norris. You know, I understand that. You, you really have to. If, if you have to run, you need to run. You understand? <laughs> I read in the scripture Elijah read when it was about to. <laughs> But, but look at this. That presence of God just protected me from that. Amen. Oh, I felt such mercy of God. Being mugged is terrible. And those boys used to come from Madare, and they had some what, wooden pl plank of wood and all that, and put it on the people's right over the neck is terrible. I've seen people mugged and they were they stagger and just fall down. After that, God protected me from that. It was his presence. Not how holy I felt I was, but just the mass of God, I turned my heart to him and there was his presence that protected me. Let me give you another one. I come from Care Fellowship some many years ago, I was alone actually, in Kariobang South, and then the old outer ring road coming near, near Kariobangi there, uh, Kariobangi South. There was a lot of traffic jam. And then I saw young men coming from Kiamaiko, mostly, and mostly Kiamaiko young men. They were coming in and they were robbing motorists. So just before nine at night, the, the, you know, in the evening, robbing motorists and beating them and on and on and on. But my windows are up and I'm seeing them, they are coming, one vehicle after another. And the devil says, said this, I have you. I say, no, you don't. I said it, no, you don't. Fear tried to grip my mind. I say, no, you don't. And I shouted and I started pleading the blood of Jesus Christ upon my, my, my life and, and on and on and on. 
And then a thought came into my mind to come out of the cab, the road cab, and drive by the side and go forward. Amazing thing, it was at the junction entering into Kariobang North, if you know that place. Amazing, not knowing that there was only a pickup in front of me and I think another vehicle. When I did that, I realized the other outer ring road coming to all stops, the former roundabout there, it was all clear. I made it through, I left all that commotion. Now listen to this, what happened. God protected me from that. I've seen so, many, so much protection from all those thuggery and all that. But this is what he spoke to me that evening. If you serve me, there are things that are happening in this generation that will ne you'll not even hear about them. This is the word that he used. I will cocoon you. Do you know what that is? Only in his presence. Church only in his presence. That's why we must spend time in his presence because his presence is our protection. Psalm 91 is about God's presence. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's about his presence. You talk about Psalm 23, it's about his presence. So listen this. Spend time with him. And be conscious of his presence daily. Wherever you go. Do you have some few minutes? Yes. So they hid from his presence, Adam and Eve. And then I'll say something here. Let's go to Revelation 3, 14 to 18. That's the scripture we read last week. Or maybe it will be our last scripture for this evening. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty. Okay, the, in, in Revelation 3, 14 to 18. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Just checking. Look at this in verse, from verse, what did I say? Verse, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodiceans, Laodiceans write, These things say the men and the faithful, and true witness, this is Jesus, the head of the church, the beginning of the creation of God. And then he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you are cold or hot, so that because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Look at what he says, verse 17. Because you say, I'm rich. What does that mean? The ones who think is rich, they don't think they need anything. You see what I'm, what I'm saying? The, the, yeah. You say, I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. He says there, actually. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What's, what's that? When, when, when you allow other things to fill our hearts, 
except his presence. Or they come before anything that you know about God. But when God is the first one person in our lives, what, do we, what does that mean? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And look at this, verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. Gold is divine. And white garments, righteousness, that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. Let me say it quickly here. This is what the presence of God does. I told you it's your protection. But listen to this. Also it enables you to see things through his eyes. Through his eyes. And it makes the whole difference. We only thrive if we dwell in his presence. We only can know his presence if we spend time with him. I think I'll continue next week. We only can know his presence if we spend time with him. We only can know his heart if we spend time with him. And I believe this is his cry. I want you to spend time with me. Not me, God. Think about it every day. Say, will you please give me some time? <laughs> will you please give me some time? Again, I've done many counseling sessions with couples over the years. And mostly, mostly I've, I've had uh, ladies, a wife will say this, my husband just doesn't have time for me. What does that mean? When I want to talk, he doesn't want even to talk. I hope you're not doing that to the Lord. We're the bride. He's a groom. We need to spend time with him and tell him how much you love him. Amen.